You want to make mom smile this Mother's Day? You can start Mother's Day with flowers or surprise her with gifts from the brands she loves delivered the very same day with DoorDash. Wow, that's a great idea. Moms are such a gift to us and we should treat them the same way with gifts, especially on Mother's Day. I didn't know DoorDash was doing that. That's exceptional. If your mom has a sweet tooth or if she's a tech enthusiast, beauty connoisseur, if she's outdoorsy, no matter what she's into, you can make her smile with a fruit or flower bouquet, makeup, tech gear, workout wear, and more, all deliverable through DoorDash. Get all your Mother's Day gifts all in one place and get 50% off your next order up to $15 when you spend $15 or more on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now with code THEO. That's T-H-E-O. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Gray Block Pizza, 1811 Pico Boulevard in Los Angeles on the way to the beach. Gray Block, get that hitter. Today's episode is brought to you by Magic Mind as well. You know, uh, Flow State now comes in a bottle. A lot of times uh, procrastination gets you. Well, change that. Coffee's not doing it for you. Change it up, magicmind.co, and use promo code THEO for 10% off. Today's guest is entrepreneur, uh, business owner, um, creator, hard worker, and human, Mr. Jimmy John Leoto. You got started, uh, my mother's from uh, outside of Peoria, Illinois, but you got started in, in Illinois. And uh, so take me through a little bit of how Jimmy John's got started. Oh, okay, cool. So I, I graduated in uh, in May or in June of 1982, and it was about March. And my dad said to me, he's like, hey, man, he said, Jimmy, what are you going to be doing after after uh, uh, high school? Because you, you got to do something. You can't live at home. And he said, you need to start applying to college. You got to start figuring out what, what you're going to do. And uh, I, college really wasn't an option. Uh, I didn't do what I graduated second to last in my high school class. So it, uh, Who was last? Do you remember? Yeah, Craig Schumacher. Great guy. He was last? Yeah, Craig Schumacher. The love was, master? Craig Schumacher. Oh. Yeah, he, the, was, he was a classmate of mine, Craig Schumacher. So not he, the comedian. No, not the, not the I'm comedian. I'm thinking of Shoemaker. No, no, okay, different guy. Wow. But uh, yeah, so, I, so anyway, long story short is my, my, dad, my dad was an entrepreneur and he said, look, you're not going to college. Uh, you can't live at home. You, you know, start a business. You got to do something. So uh, I said, "Why?" Well, I, I kind of would like to open a Chicago hot dog stand. I love a Chicago Portillo hot dog and a tamale and a and a French fry. And and uh, I said, "I'd love to open a hot dog stand." He said, "I'll tell you what." He says, "I'll lend you twenty five thousand bucks." Dang, and <laughs> pretty good deal. He says, "And here's the deal." He said, "You get twenty five grand. If it makes it, I own forty eight percent. If it fails." You go to the army for two years and you don't have to pay me back. He really wanted me to go to the army. He fought the Korean War. My big brother Greg drove an armor personnel carrier. My little brother Robbie was a, a ranger out in Fort Ord, California. So you were, you're the odd duck. 
total odd duck total odd duck all three of those guys are fighters yeah. and every time i got in a fight i just got the shit beat out of me <laughs> yeah, yeah. i mean i don't know what to do in a fight i i just open up a concession stand that's what you do <laughs> yeah, that, apparently that's what you do you yeah. open up a, a a sandwich shop so anyway i graduate high school and i and and uh and so i go to visit hot dog stands and in and in, in, in two weeks i visited 50 i knew what i had on the need i knew what i had to have on the menu I knew what, what equipment I needed to have, and I and I made a list. I made a menu list and my equipment list, and it was easy. I went to the library and got yellow pages. We didn't have technology. We didn't have Google, and they had the yellow pages in the library, and I Googled restaurant equipment and then used restaurant equipment, and I found places in Chicago that had it, and I drove my car down to the city, and I found an, a, a section, which is now the West Loop, which is the hottest area in Chicago, but storefront after storefront of entrepreneur-owned little used restaurant wow. equipment houses, right? So I had to list some equipment for my hot dog stand, and, and the cheapest price I got was 43000 bucks. So I drive back to home to Cary, Illinois, and I say, Pop. He said, yeah, what's up? I said, I need more dough. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I need forty-three grand just for the equipment. I got a fryer, a steam table, a hood. A, I got a grill. I got a flat top. I got a milkshake machine. I got a... He said, hey, dude. It's twenty five grand, Damn. and I'm like, oh. and the bus stops here, huh? <laughs> I'm like, dude, wow. you're serious? He's, I'm serious as shit, son. <laughs> he said, so this is like mid June, and so just it was random, but I was gonna go visit a buddy at Southern Illinois University that next weekend. The Salukis, my, right? Is it? Yeah, it is the Salukis. It is the Salukis. So I drive down there, and I'm partying with my buddy. He says, let's go get a sandwich at, at Booby Sandwiches. I'm like, what's this little sandwich shop? It's great. So I go to this little sandwich shop. Theo, literally, it's got a refrigerator, a Coca-Cola refrigerator. Mm -hmm. There's vegetables in it. There's meats in it. And there's beer in it. And there's soda in it. It's like like Coca-Cola gave it to him, but he was using it. All for, in the same fridge. All in the same fridge. He had a little make table, half the size of your desk, a little refrigerated make table, a meat slicer. And he was making, and it had bags of bread and a cash register. The guy's making sandwiches. So I just came from fryers and steam tables, milkshake machines, and all this shit, all this equipment. <laughs> and here I'm like, there's a refrigerator. I said, I can do sandwiches. Wow. So, so just like that. So you went from, so before that it was hot dogs and you just, and just, and that moment just changed it for you. That moment changed my head. I just came from 18, 20 pieces of equipment for 45,000 bucks. Right. I knew I could get a used refrigerator for 400. I knew I could get a used make line for 500. I knew I could get a refrigerator for 250 bucks or a cash register for 250 bucks. I, I and, and I knew I could get a new, a used meat slicer for six, 700 bucks. I just been through every restaurant yeah. warehouse in chicago oh and i bet and yeah especially in that area you're gonna have it uh, probably the best opportunity because so many restaurants in chicago have even getting into that kind of stuff uh here's a video question that came in right here we'll go to one yeah. early that came in for you john right here actually Jimmy. yeah go ahead Yo, what's up this is a question for both of you theo jimmy john <laughs> you guys are two very successful business owners and i just want to know like what is it that that motivates you the most that gave you that drive that gave you that edge you know uh, looking forward to your answers. Uh, either way, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to both of you. Gang, gang, Jimmy Jones. <laughs> Thanks, baby, gang, gang. And I'll tell you this, uh, and I'll and I'll kind of add into what I was going to ask. And thank you for that, young man. And uh, yeah, because I was going to ask you. To, so to go from to switch from hot dogs to sandwiches. So it wasn't really about the. Was it still about the product as much, or was it about? Because some people are like, I'm selling hammers. That's it. And if you show them a screwdriver, they're not going to change to that. Yeah. So was it about business? Like, did you realize at that point, like, oh, I just want to do business, or is it just food business? Like, because that's kind of a pivot. I mean, that's a you yeah, know that was a real pivot. But what it was, it was a critical pivot. But my homework was done. And when your homework is done, the answers were obvious. I knew how much I could buy used equipment 
equipment for. I knew how complicated the hot dog stand was. I knew how many items were going to be on the menu. And when I saw refrigerator, meat slicer, cash register, boom, three pieces of equipment. Man, I, I knew instantly that I could do that. Especially with that fir- when, when that third one is the cash register, you're like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. This, this, this all makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. that other list probably didn't have a register on it and that's the one you need the most. Absolutely. So, so that's interesting. So then yes, suddenly you're like, oh, this is a pared down kind of, did it feel like, okay, this is a more pared down version of what I want to do or this is? No, it, w- it was another option. And so what I did is I just pivoted and I went and looked at other sandwich shops um, that were, and even at that time, Subway wasn't baking in their own stores. They were getting bread delivered one or two or three days a week. So, mm. uh, so they weren't baking. So I went and I, and I, instead of just looking at hot dog stands around Chicago, I went to Milwaukee, went to Madison. I started looking at other sandwich shops and I found a sandwich shop in, in Milwaukee that baked their own buns and this, and, and they, and they, they baked their own bun and, and, and you bought your sandwich on this homemade bun mm. and, and they, and you got a soda pop and a 16 ounce returnable bottle. When you gave them the bottle back, they gave you your dime to it back mm-hmm. that was before your time right and but the best thing about it was the bread and and so i after visiting enough sandwich shops i'm like damn i gotta figure out how to bake bread mm. so i went right back to the library it's now july i'm right back to the library and i got books on baking bread i bake bread in my mama's <laughs> kitchen and figure out how to bake bread and then now, i had then i figured that out so that was the next step so okay so okay so you get to your bread yeah and, and what are your parents doing during this are they are they kind of impressed i mean they must be impressed with your desire huh you know, my parents were, I don't know that we were raised. I think we were basically fed. You know, my dad yeah. was working. My mom did. I mean, she, she, we got four kids and we're all 13 months apart. And there's four of us, mm. three boys and a girl. So they, we weren't really, it wasn't really, you know, we didn't have sort any sort of traditional raising. Well, there's a lot of love in the house. We just didn't have, a, there just there wasn't a lot of time to nurture. So I was really on my own. The feedback was, you know, what's this guy do, you know? I think they were probably shaking their heads and my dad was just hoping that I would just hang it up and go to the army. I think that's really what he was hoping was going to happen. I mean, I'm, like when I think about it right now, I think that's what yeah. he was thinking about, man. But were you like, uh, so I got, let me get a little bit more of what you were like then. Were yeah. you like, uh, cause you weren't a, you weren't a dumb, you, you did not well in your, in your grades and stuff, but you weren't a dumb kid. No, I wasn't a dumb kid, but I, I couldn't read and comprehend. So ah. I'm, it's called dyslexia. You've heard of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. One of my best friends has it. Good. So I just can't read and comprehend. So, so e- even now married to Leslie, like if, if, if something comes in and, and it's a letter, somebody wrote it to us, even a crit- Leslie reads it to me. I close my eyes and I listen to it and I can take it all in, but I just cannot read and comprehend. So I was sharp enough to do stuff. I could, I was good at math, mm-hmm. but I just, yeah, I just, I couldn't read, man, and and I think it pissed the teachers off too. And I think I think they got angry because I thought they they probably thought that I I should be able to comprehend, and because I wasn't, I must have been, you know. Oh yeah, screwing around. Yeah, screwing around, and I wasn't. I just couldn't comprehend. You yeah. know, it's like dance, son. Well, I can't dance. Well, then right. you're a shithead. No, right. I'm not. I just can't dance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then they think if you're not dancing, you're just loitering or something else. You're just doing something. Uh, you're, yeah, you're kind of ruining the vibe. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, but then when what happened then? I think teachers got a little angry. They would rib me a little bit and be mm-hmm. angry and be pissed at me. And I was sharp enough to be to to stick it right back to them. And I think that's probably what pissed the teachers off and, yeah. and made them angry because the, because. Because I, I I could see what they were doing, and I I didn't know why they were angry at me because there was no. But when they were ribbing me, I would give it right back to them. I I was you know that's just what I did. Were you funny in school? Were you like a funny guy? Kind yeah, of? I was yeah? I was funny. I'm I, I'm a, I, yeah. 
Yeah, I had a good time. That's cool. For sure. For sure. Were you goofy funny or were you taught like word funny, like saying stuff that was funny? Or would you like, were you like truffle shuffle funny kind of guy or like just say stuff? No, I don't know. I think I was, I don't know what any of those things mean really. Mm -hmm. I don't know what truffle shuffle is. Were you like a goof or you like, uh, you would get up and do something physical or were you just, you would, the way you More verbal. Yeah, me too. Verbally funny. Like I could respond to shit quick. I could say it quick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just you know i could i could have a good time with stuff and school's a fun environment dude because you basically have kind of an audience every day if the if the curriculum doesn't really engage you that much yeah um which sometimes dyslexia to me is just that it's kind of like the like the world of curriculum just it's not as engaging for some people and so your brain just doesn't leech onto it so it's almost like dyslexia sometimes can be like a blessing it's like oh what am i missing learning all this shit that i don't really care about you know yeah um so anyway so so we're at the bread so you got the bread recipe which being from louisiana man i respect that more than anything dude like a po' boy sandwich people are always like how what makes a i'm like you have to have good bread like i don't care other cities you have one in salt lake city this dog shit i want you have to have good bread you gotta have good bread new orleans has great bread great po' boys down there so Got to have the great bread. So I, I figured that out. Yeah, figured so you got out the to, great bread. Got the great now, bread. Now, was there a day where you knew it? Because like, I'm, I'm, I've read Michael Lindell's book. You ever read his book? No. Um, he wrote the, he's the My Pillow guy, right? And he has a moment where he finally gets the fluffing right in the pillow. And he just can't, I mean, he loses, he's just, it's a great moment. Right. Did you have that moment where you're like, this is the bread? I had a moment and I got a great story about the moment. So I got the moment. I got the bread. I'm baking the bread. The bread's good. I'm going back and forth to the grocery store and I lived in Carrie and Dominic's grocery stores in Crystal Lake. And I'm going back and forth buying meats and coming home and making sandwiches on the bread. And I, I'm walking past the freezer section one day and I see this frozen bread dough in the freezer section. It had like four, like one pound loaves of bread this big in a freezer bag. It was Rich's frozen bread dough. And I grabbed a bag and I threw it in the cart. So remember I had, now I had my, I had all my meats and then I had this frozen dough. I take the dough home to the house I thaw one of these loaves out and I cut it in quarters and stretch it out and bake it off into a loaf. And I baked the bread. It's way better than the bread that I came up with. Okay. And I looked at the bread bag. It said Rich's Frozen Products. I think it was Poughkeepsie, New York. And at the time, the entire New York, the area code was 212. Mm-hmm. So I dialed 212-555-1212. And I said, can I have the number of Rich's Frozen Products, Poughkeepsie, New York? And directory assistant says, sure, one moment, please. And gives me the number. So I called Rich's Frozen Products and I said, hello, may I speak to Mr. Rich? The lady says, one moment, please. No way. I swear to God. (laughs) The guy gets on the phone and says, hello, this is Bob Rich. I said, hello, Mr. Rich. He says, yes, ma'am. I, my, my, voice, I, my voice said, it was, you know, it's pretty squeaky now, but it's squeakier then. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? I just yeah. went with it. I said, yeah, listen, yeah. I said, I'm opening a sandwich shop in Illinois. And I said, and I just tried your, your bread dough and it's the way better than the bread dough I made. Can you supply me my bread dough? He says, you're opening a sandwich shop in Illinois. He says, give me your phone number. Let me call you back. So I hang up the phone. And he calls me back in five minutes. He says, you know where Schomburg, Illinois is? I said, yeah, I live in Cary, Illinois. He says, well, my friend Lou Ganella is building a, an addition on his frozen dough factory right by you. Wow. And I'm going to, and you go see him. Can you be there tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock? And he'll, he'll go set, you go, go see him at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. I said, really? He said, absolutely. Here's the address. Here's the phone number. You go tomorrow morning. You go see my friend Lou Ganella. And how old are you? I'm 18 years old. Damn. 18 years old. Dude. 
So I dr- I had a Chevy Citation, man, the hatchback. Yeah. I drive. The car was called a Citation. It was a Chevy Citation, man. It was awesome. Front wheel. <laughs> That's drive. a ticket. That's a I parking could spin ticket. It. I could do bad. Spin it backwards. You know, I could do three sixty donuts. It was killer. Yeah, yeah. So I go. So I go to. Uh, I go to this factory. It's a construction site. I walk in the front door, and there's a woman there, a receptionist, mm-hmm. and and there's two yellow hats there, and one says Jimmy John on it, construction hats, and one says Lou. So I go in. I go in there, and uh, 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 I go in there. Excuse me, Ron. His name was Ron, and he was he was Lou's nephew or something like mm-hmm. that. But Lou owned it. His name was Ron Lucchese. It was Ron and Jimmy. So uh, the, the one minute, Ron comes out. He says, "Son, put that hat on. Put that. Come on with me." We're you know. I go into this kitchen and here they got like 20 different breads all lined out fresh out of the oven he says come on let's play with some bread let's let's eat some bread and see what you like and and we'll make some bread dough and they had mixers over here in in about six hours between he and i and i said i like this one pretty good he's like well then that, then we'll make that bread dough for you wow. i'm sure there's no way in a million years did he ever ever think that it would be what it was Sure enough, I call him three months later. I said, I got my location. I'm going to do it at Eastern Illinois University. And uh, son of a gun, if I didn't end up loyal to that family and that company, and we are now their largest customer. And I think there's over 100 Ganella family members that, that are owners of this company. And, and we're, I think we're, we are their largest customer now. So it was, wow. a, that was, a, it was an incredible experience. And it was uh, so random that I called that phone number. And the dude was, there was a Bob Rich yeah. and he picked up the phone. I mean, what if he was at lunch? Yeah, you know? and what? And, and just the—I mean—that just makes me think about like when you do something hands-on for somebody. A lot of things in life, it takes somebody doing something hands-on for you to really believe that you can do it. For sure. So I can't even imagine you walking in at that age, at that moment where you're already kind of a little bit excited. You're like, here's adults. They're talking to me. They know about bread. What's even going on? I drive over the hats there with your name on it. Like they went that extra step. And I wonder if they if they couldn't be thinking this guy's a big sandwich entrepreneur. Dude, I was 18 years old. Yeah. I didn't even have hair under my arms yet, man. Yeah, I was yeah. late bloomer. He called me ma'am. You yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, true. no clue. I'm sure. Well, you didn't know if you're going to get hair under your arms if they're calling you ma'am. <laughs> that's you know? right. That's the right. The jury's out. That's right. And, and, you know, and my dad is my my dad was thinking the same thing. But when I had this bread dough, and then I started making sandwiches on that bread dough, man, I knew. And I had I came up with six. It's now August. Came up with six sandwiches. Invited my family over. They voted on four, and it was August. And uh, anyway, it's so kind though, just the kindness that I feel like they showed by just saying, okay, here's just somebody who's young and curious, and I'm going to extend some time to them. You know, absolutely. I got to tell you a magical moment. I met a, a a grandson of Mr. Rich who has now passed away, and I I, I have a I, I spend the majority of the year in Key Largo, Florida, and I was in Key Largo, Florida, and I met a grandson of the, of Mr. Rich, and I told him the story of his grandfather. The family also has a home down in that area, and he was blown away. He was blown away. It was so it brought me so it warmed my heart oh, to cool. share how that man literally, without that phone call in that moment. I wouldn't have pivoted there that which would become the foundation of the Jimmy John's brand for, you know, 36 years before wow. I sold it. So it was an, it was an amazing moment and I got lucky. I got lucky, That's but cool. it was in it was in the bullseye and I I hit it and uh yeah. And so you got the bread now. I really uh, it's really interesting to hear starting uh uh, especially like a sandwich shop, starting any business in a college town, mm-hmm. I feel like it's such a strong move because if you can get a market that's excited, that's young, and it's something that's hip, 
then you know already other towns it's going to work in that exact type of place, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, when you look back at that moment in your life, kind of at that young moment, um, so some of the cards were kind of laid out for you. It was like you weren't really, college probably wasn't going to be your thing. Right. Your dad kind of gave you this amount that didn't really work out with, you know, with the with the list that you made. Crossing when you his look, fingers, I go to the army. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's looking for you. He's like, geez, put the oven down and pick up a fucking gun, you know? <laughs> um, but what was, uh, when you look back at that moment in your life, what do you, were you, was it just some natural gifts that got, do you just think it was just some innate things? Like, what are some things that... You know, I really didn't think about it. I, I really believe my dad. I mean, my dad was a badass. He was a tough, tough, tough man. He was he was tough. And I knew that I was out of there and I knew I had to figure it out. So I really didn't spend much time about anything except I, I wanted to get a location. I wanted to go to Eastern Illinois University. And the reason I chose Eastern, my brother was coming out of the Army in November. He was going. And I had two cousins that were there, Mike and Steve. Right. So I said, I'll go to Eastern. I'm going to have family there. I'll open up the sandwich shop. I'll prove to the to the school that I'm worth a shit and I'll get the sandwich shop going and then I'll then I'll go to college and get a degree and sell it and go get a real job. Oh, wow. Interesting. So that that was my plan. And did you have a lady in your life at this time? What was your what was the love life like at this point? I didn't know what love was. Really? No, I didn't. I didn't have a lady in my life at all. No, okay, not at all. So not much, not much lady luck in the high school time. No, not at all. Okay, so you get over to Eastern Illinois. You got the first sandwich shop, beautiful locale. Um, is it still there today? It's a, it's right across the street. It's a tattoo shop now. The original. I need it. It was only six hundred and thirty square feet. It was oh, a it was small. a two car garage. The, the it was a, it was a house that was converted into a Dixie Cream Donut shop. Had a two car garage attached to it. That was a failed pizza joint. I rented that garage for two hundred bucks a month. And there was a bar behind me. There was a bar to the left of me and a bar in front of me. So I put my sandwich shop right in that Damn. in that garage. So when the bars closed, they came to Jimmy John. So I chose that site. The rent was two hundred bucks a month, and I. Anyway, August when I when I went when I was going to do it, mm -hmm. I, when, you know, you said like, what was your family saying? I got the bread, I figured it out, I had my sandwiches. I drive down to Eastern Illinois and I came back with two leases, the garage, and I rented an apartment. And wow. I said, pops, I got to fund the account. We're, I'm doing this, and I, it's, I I still really didn't have much feedback from him at all. And then and then he funded the account and uh, he gave me a checkbook and said, you pay for everything COD, mm -hmm. so you live in reality. You start with twenty five grand. So I did. So I bought I bought my equipment. I bought a used refrigerator. I bought a used meat slicer. I bought a Sears chest freezer to hold my bread dough. My mom gave me her oven mitts, her Rubbermaid <laughs> cake spatula, and uh, she gave me her Tupperware to keep my tomatoes and, oh, and my that's lettuce sweet. in. And uh, yeah, man. And, and I opened up in this little tiny two-car garage at Eastern Illinois. At 19 years old? I, I, I opened up my 19th birthday, January, a day after I turned 19, January 13, 1983. Uh, I opened up my first store. So you knew, so so the 25000 does come into play. So that money, at this point, he's funding the account, so you have some money to help you go. Absolutely. Yeah, I had to remodel it. I had to build a counter. I had to put paneling up. I, right. had, to, I had to plumb my sink and right. get my bathroom done, so I did. And then I, I did. I spent $23,871. I needed 1000 bucks for inventory, and I remember the numbers. And uh, so anyway, yeah, I opened up January 1383 and I had a $1,300 balance to start with and uh, 
Started out, man. That was it. Damn, dude. And how many Gary v- Varnerchuk videos did you watch to help start all this? None, I bet. Huh? I don't even know who that you is. Know, it's, it's this guy, Gary V. It's like they sell this entrepreneurial spirit to a lot of people online a lot of times. Okay. It's not bad or anything. It's just like, it's kind of the same thing. It's just like, get entrepreneur. You know, they're like, get entrepreneurial, you know? Oh, shit. Um, I wish. I, I wish it was like, it. you know, one of the kids asked, he said, you know, what is it? What is it that drives an entrepreneur? What is it? I think it's fear. I think it's fear of failure. I mm. think this was all driven by fear. You know, that's really what drove it all. That's what, you know, fear of the army, fear of the army, fear of moving out. I had to keep the ball rolling. I had to get funded. I think it, I think really the fear of failure is what really motivates, is the, the original motivator. You know, I just I just didn't want to fail, right? Right. And, and I, I failed my whole life. So I think that's a, that was a real motivator because what the hell else was I going to do? And I didn't want to go to the army. I mean, there's no way I was going to, I was going to get the shit beat out of me in the army yeah i mean it probably would have been yeah it probably wouldn't have been stoked especially if you don't want to go oh well, yeah that's who you don't want to be in the army you don't want to be the guy in the army who doesn't want to be in the army <laughs> yeah, right, right i think right. that's kind of the bad the the tough vibe you know you need stress relief that goes beyond some quick fixes and a quick fix is something that just fixes you but it's is it good is it bad who knows it was probably made in china so you need something more realistic and that is headspace you know, there's so many things that is trying to get our attention these days on our phones and in the world and stoplights and go lights that we don't have any space in our head. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. You need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind down sessions their members swear by. That's right. You're settling down. The kids are in bed. Throw on some headspace. Relax. You can even tell your husband or wife, hey, I'd love to chat, but I need to headspace. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash Theo. That's headspace.com slash T-H-E-O for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. The best one right now. Head to headspace.com slash T-H-E-O. I use Headspace and I thoroughly enjoy it. The holidays are upon us, but the season goes after Christmas. It's not just one day. But the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and you buy any three-month plan, you get another three months for free. That's six-month of plan. Mint Mobile lets you safely order from home and maximize your savings with plans starting at just $15 a month. That's right, just $15 a month. Mint Mobile. Their best offer of the year is here for a limited time. Buy any three-month plan. Get the extra three months. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. So you don't have to change phone. You don't have to change number. Keep your same number with all your contacts. If you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. For a limited time, buy a three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com slash T-H-E-O. That's M-I-N-T. M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash Theo. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Theo. Um, here's a question right here from yeah. some young gentleman right here that we got. What's up, Theo? What's up, Jimmy John? This is Mark coming at you from New Jersey. As you can see, my face kind of busted up right now. 
Got some of that Caucasian abrasion from slipping on some black ice earlier. My question is for Mr. Jimmy. What's it like running a company with your name on it? Does it put extra pressure on you? And does it ever make it difficult for you to separate your personal life from your business? Gang, gang. Yeah, man, that's a good question, man. That's a really good question. So, Jimmy John is a character, right? And I, I'm really Jimmy Leoto, mm-hmm. and and I'm and I know Papa John really, really well. Papa John loves being Papa John. He really does. He very that's his sweet spot, and he just really loves it. But I'm done with Jimmy John's. I sold it. I'm Jimmy Leoto. It was a 36 year career. It was extraordinary. I don't know if you've ever been divorced before. I have. You know, I love my new wife is the love of my life. My ex-wife, God bless her. She's remarried and she's doing terrific. But I, I like my, I, you know, I really like my, my life. So right. I like, I'm, I'm really Jimmy. That For me, it was a character. It's easy for me to separate, but I think it's different for different people. So that was a really, really good question. Um, so for me, it's not hard. But so, so some guys like being the character. Yeah. When did the character start to become become like yeah when do you start to become the character like when does that happen throughout this journey you know what it, it, it started to happen i think that that you know wow you're jimmy john <laughs> wow you're jimmy john like since it wasn't right. top of mind for me you know I'm, i was like this dude working my ass off all the time <laughs> you know yeah and then i would forget that i'm jimmy john because i'm working my ass off all the time i'm like oh yeah yeah that's right i'm i'm totally jimmy john yeah how is it oh it's awesome we get up at five in the morning and we work till three in the morning seven days a week and we clean puke out of toilets and, and we reinstall the, the urinals on the wall when the dudes tear them off the wall it's great you know it's awesome being me you know come on and be me for a while it's the best so it, i was always i was always taken aback by it because i i really it was never top of mind for me right i never like you know i never sort of uh, we you know we were we were we we, we i spent 10 years in 10 different cities and 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 open ten stores, and that was wow. my first ten years. Wow! And I didn't know how to do a bank loan or get a bank loan, so I'd save up my money and replace myself at the sandwich shop, and then and then move to another city and open up another store. And then in order to have the experience be like it was when I was there, I learned way back at an early age to cut my manager in on a piece of the action. Right. So then they have some vested interest. So then they got a vested interest. So so you know I just uh, I never. You know, so like, when did I start being Jimmy John? I would say probably 2000. We started growing 2005. We had 200 stores. 2010, we had 500 stores. And, and then when it got to be really big, you know, yeah, I'm Jimmy John, but you know, it's not that sexy, dude. Right. I mean, we got refrigerators and meat slicers and, and salamis. I mean, it's, I, I, you know, if you're impressed by that, that's fine, but it's nothing but a grind. Right. Yeah, at that point, uh, but at that point, probably you start to make your way out of the actual store that you're in, and I'm sure it gets you get into more of the corporate side of stuff. Um, But I want to I want to go so when you make the so you guys things are going well. Yeah, things are going well. You're right there, positioned by the by the bars. Yeah. Um, and you decide to do a second shop. Yeah. Um, so does it feel like, like, was that a risky move? Are you just, were you trusting your instincts at that point? Were you trusting the numbers? Like where did the, where does it come from to take that move? So here's what happened, Theo. Just simple. So I opened up in January with two of my buddies and me. So there's three of us. Mm -hmm. January, February was great. Then one guy quit. So you have seven day shifts and seven night shifts, essentially. So then one dude quit. So I took seven days. The other dude took seven nights. Jeez, this is like the Bible. I feel it's like, like so yeah, then, yeah. then March came and this, and the night dude quit. And they, I get a call at like 4.30 in the afternoon. I'm in the sub shop. 
And and the dude says, "Hey man, um, listen, I quit." I said, well, "You quit?" He said, "Why?" I said, "Why you quit?" He said, "Because you're an asshole." Wow. And I said, "Okay, so what time are you going to be in?" He said, "No, no, I'm out of here." And the customers came in, and the phone rang, and one thing led to another. It's two in the morning, so I got up, and and and, and so I closed the store at two in the morning after, and then then opened it up again at eight, and I and this is like April of '83, so I'm working this thing open to close eight in the morning i didn't even know you could work from eight in the morning till two in the morning if you have to if you ask the national labor relations board they'll tell you no no way you got to sue somebody for that right yeah, osha would have some issues that's I right so but the first week i did it it was really hard and i was freaking out but the second week man i'm like whoa i can do this and by the third week theo i am starting to know my customers who they are what they like, if they're chubbier like me, I give them a little extra mayo. If they were skinny like you, I took a little off. I used to use the ends of the meats that weren't so pretty, but they were still salami and ham. I'd sell those after one o'clock in the morning because nobody knew what they were eating anyway. Yeah. So I figured out how to utilize the waste. And I really started getting into 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 running the sandwich shop after I, after I, after everybody quit. I just I survived. I just made it happen. Then I learned I could work open to close. And then I started keep. remember my dad said, Keep your bank balance every day. Pay for everything COD. And I'm watching this bank balance go up and I'm watching it go up every day. And I finished the semester in May and I started the semester with 1300 bucks and I had 18,000 bucks in the bank. And I'm like, man, I'm a millionaire. Yeah. And so I totally started paying attention to this checkbook. And so the end of the first year, I did 156,000 in sales and made 40 grand profit. I split it with my dad. Okay. 48,52. Right. And then the second year, I did 180000 and made 55000 I split it with my dad. And I saved all my cash. I got paid 200 bucks a week. Mm-hmm. That's what my pay was. And I saved all the money less the tax. So I bought my dad out in May of 1985 for the twenty five grand plus 10% interest. So I had exactly 30000 bucks, And I took it out of the bank in cash to go pay him off mm-hmm. and, and own it. He's like, dude, compound interest. I'm like, what's compound interest? He's like, dude, you owe me another $1,300. Bucks. <laughs> Give me a break. So we got... Got to 20 grand the first year, 25 grand year two, the original investment bank. Then I owned it myself. Then I worked another year and then I moved. Then I replaced myself. I moved to Macomb, Illinois, Western Illinois University, opened my second store. 86, I moved to University of Illinois, my third store. 87, I moved to Michigan State, Lansing, Michigan. And so that's, that's, that's what I did. Okay. So at that point, then you're on the go. I'm on the go. You're on the go. And go back to the question where the guy calls and says, you're an asshole. Were you an asshole? I'm an ass. Sometimes I, I started out as just being like fun and everything was fun. Yeah. And then once you get into business, man, it's the adjustment sometimes is really tough yeah and i have to think with another side of my brain right. and i have to be a business person sometimes right and it goes totally against the, whatever the fun side of things yeah were you an asshole what, what made the guy here's say that I, here's here's what i learned here was the deal no because i'm just not an asshole as an individual i'm I, I love people and i love life but what i didn't i didn't know what a boss had to do i took the easiest shifts for myself i took the easiest jobs for myself i sliced the easiest meats myself i cleaned the easiest toilets myself and gave everybody else all the tough shit to do mm. and so and then what I learned is that the boss takes the toughest shifts, the hardest jobs, sets his people up to succeed. When they fail, it's the boss's fault. Typically, it's not the individual's fault because people really want to do a good job. All they need to know is why. And you just and if you catch them doing it right, and the more often you catch people doing things right and say, man, I really appreciate the time you took to clean that bathroom that way. There was not one hair left anywhere in that bathroom. You took the time to do it. You're a rock star. And if you are a, as a boss, take the time to thank somebody for that effort. 
they will say, thank you, sir. And they will do it again. And I had to learn that. My guys quit because I just didn't know how to be a boss. Right. Then I learned how to be a boss, man. And then I read a couple of books on one minute manager and leadership and the one minute manager. And I learned that, yeah, I had to lead by example, that people do what I do, not what I say. Mm. And so and my, again, it was out of fear or survival. I, I mean, I had to do it and I learned to do it. And then once I realized I could do it, I'm like, man, I can do this. I mean, I'd never been successful at anything in my life, and I was killing it. So it was cool, man. Now, were you, like, when you had the success, so outside of work, in which I don't know how there's any time, what what was your social life like? Like, did you start dating in college? I mean, there's more women in college. Was Did you did you get a girlfriend? Did you, you know, like, what, what were you doing kind of for fun during that time? Well, SIU is a freaking fun town, bro. Yeah, Charleston is a fun town. But I, w- I was working, you know, at first I was having a lot of fun. And then, and then I was working and then I was really in the, in the restaurant 24, seven, 365. You know, that's why, how we made 40 grand on 150,000 of sales. Well, when your labor is 8% and I'm getting paid 82 cents an hour, it's really easy to make that, to have that. So I was really in the store, but yeah, I dated a little bit and I had a couple of girlfriends and, and, and then, and I had, you know, a bit of a social life, but nothing, nothing that where, where I could really, I always, anytime the sandwich shop called, anytime they needed anything, I was there. I was there because I had worked so hard to get it where I got it that I, you know, I had a kind of a social life, but not a, not, 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 not a, not a college social life, but it was fine. It, It was, it was great. You know, it was, it was, it was whatever. What about like your first kiss? Let's just go. Could we ask everybody this? It, oh my God. Do you remember it? Mine, I think, I, I think, and mine is a question, so I'll put mine out there too. It, mine, uh, <laughs> this girl, I lost my virginity behind a bowling alley. Everybody knows that. But um, my first one was this girl. She had kind of like a chip tooth a little bit named Chrissy. <laughs> and she had her mom used to cut her hair like one of the singers from Leonard Skinner. Like she would literally put a picture up of, I don't even know who it was, maybe. I don't even know who. And then she would have her sit next to it and cut her hair just like it. So she literally had <laughs> she had her hair looking just like one of them. And uh, some people just kind of we were the, we were the same age in the neighborhood. We were both kind of shy, and uh, they locked us in a room together one time, and and we had to kiss, you know. And so we did, you know. But yeah, um, my first girlfriend was Peggy. I remember my first girlfriend was Peggy. I forget her last name, but I remember that really, really good. From college, yeah. Yeah, cool check or no? Yeah, at the time it was you know it was it was what it was you know for me it was awkward but it was what it was. And, Where'd you guys meet at? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, we met at the bars. Oh yeah, yeah. What were good bars that were? Uh, I, cause I, they used to have a comedy club. No, did they have a comedy club there? We had Rocks, we had Mothers, we had Ikes, and we had uh, Chinks. Uh, where we'd go there and do these slammer shots where you'd get half whiskey, half seven up and they'd slam it and you go to chinks and hit one of those. Yeah. And, uh, oh God, I, what, what, Marty's, Marty's, we had Marty's. I don't, the comedy club in Charleston, I don't, God, I don't remember a comedy club in Charleston. I mean, I really socializing wasn't a huge top of mind for me. Right. It's just interesting to be that young and to be that like even when I when I think of college now, or if I think of just meeting someone now who's 21, 22 years old, and they're that focused on business, it and maybe it's just because of the times now that would seem very obtuse. It For would sure. seem very unique. Sure. So what, did was it that unique at the time, or did a lot of young men that were just out of high school and they started small businesses? 
Dude, I, I I don't think that I was thinking about it the way you were thinking about it, man. I was surviving, right, buddy. I was surviving. I was paying my rent. I was getting the money to the bank. I was getting the sandwiches delivered. I was figuring out how to deliver, figuring out how to how to buy a, an ad, how to how to make an advertisement, how to maximize my 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 dollars and the advertising spend. I'd save up my money, and you know, I said, well, if I'm going to put an ad in the newspaper, I need to have a, a headline, and if, if I have a headline, it, it'll grab their attention. Totally. And so I would make up these poems. And so I would have a headline. Remember, I wrote one, the headline was party. It said, you plan it, you love it, you can't wait till it starts. It's dance and romance and the time to depart. But alas, you just met a cutie that says your beauty. If that is your fate, it's never too late to impress that new love with a Jimmy John sub. Jimmy John's, we deliver. So it's a party, all that fill in the middle, and then Jimmy John's, we deliver. And then, and then, and then I, you know. And you um, just made these up? I write, yeah. And, and when I did, I did, I did no, no zits, no pits, no day old bread, no grease, no fries, great sub instead and I put these ads in the paper but I had to think about this shit right and I and I and I wanted it to be somewhat adorable or somewhat like it was worth it if you were going to read it you could just smile and, mm-hmm. I, and they all looked the same so I had to figure out because I had to save up my money and buy an ad so I was surviving I wasn't really sort of like in a scene man I was right. like surviving and figuring out how to survive yeah the ads it's very charming it's charming the ads are very charming. You're, you're a very charming guy. Have you always had that? Have you just, has it always been a gift? I think there's something that's nice, especially when you're in high school, to be able to laugh, but also engage with the teachers. There's a level of, of, uh, of uh, intelligence that's behind it, but there's a level of charm that makes it more um, palpable for everyone a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did, have you always thought that that's a gift that you had being charming? Dude, I don't, I don't know that I really ever thought I was gifted. I mean... I was a I was a fat kid and I was I was, I was raised in a crazy household. We went through two bankruptcies. Damn. Uh, my dad was you know we ran out of milk, dude. We drank powdered milk, and I mean we had love and and we made it. And my dad ended up being a successful guy. But my childhood, uh, like I didn't have a foundation. I I never really thought about uh, you know that I was a charming anything. I just just was you know i really never really it was never in, in my head i just was doing what i was doing so so i wasn't so, thinking had, about it you right you weren't thinking about it but you had some of you had survival instincts that were helping you hell yes was one of do you think just being a charming guy well dude i if it helped me out you know i mean i can talk to people if it helped me out i'll take it right yeah. i can i can cook oh, i can add subject yeah. and i can smile and, and i can tell it like it is i don't care yeah now what about the like the the striving to be good in business. Do you feel like you were trying to like impress your dad? Do you think in in the for end? For sure. Yeah. For sure. I wanted my dad's approval more than anything in the world. Are you kidding me? When I think about that, man. Oh, are you kidding me? To have have your dad approve? Oh you? man. You know, there's nothing like it. And uh, you know, my dad was hard. He he was a really tough, 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 tough guy. Why is that, man? Well, I mean, yeah. Even me just thinking about it, man, it kind of makes me a little bit emotional. But like, yeah, like yeah. there's times where you do well in your life, and you think, man. Uh, is your dad still alive? No, he passed uh, for uh, sixteen, two thousand sixteen. Yeah, and it's, uh, and it's like, man, I w- yeah, you're like, man, my dad would be proud, you know. There's yeah. something, there's some innate thing, and it's uh, for me. I start to feel it in the back of my like shoulders. Is your dad and neck. still alive? No, my dad was eight, seventy when I was born. When he when I was born, he was an old man. Okay, but so he passed away in uh, eighty ninety six. Gotcha. But yeah, there's yeah, anyway. sometimes a moment where it's like, man. Yeah, there's still this weird connective tissue almost where I feel like if I make him proud that he can feel it even though he's not here which is really I think that's what makes it the feeling so unique yeah 
Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's a it's a deep feeling. It's and it's deep seated, especially if you had a connection with your father. Yeah, and I had an amazing connection with him, and uh, and he was a great man. And and uh, do you um, think he was proud of you? I think inside he was. I think inside he was. Uh, like like I think to to other people he was very proud of me, mm-hmm. but but to me he was hard on me, and. Um, uh, and it just was the way it was, you right. know, it just was the way it was. And, and my dad was old fashioned and, and he was very macho and he was very gregarious and outgoing. And, and he probably thought a lot of those things that you asked me, he was charming and he was witty and, but he, he believed, you know, with me, I'm just like, oh, I get, I, okay. You know, but it's, I, you know, but my father totally believed he was like, right. he walked into the room. He's like, yo, I'm in the room. Yeah. And I walk in the room. I'm like, Hey man, <laughs> nice to see you, Theo. Good, you know, whatever. Was just he, a little uh, bit different. What are some fun things that did you? Did your family throw like a party every year? Was it like a thing that your dad like? Like what was Fourth uh... of July, man? Fourth of July. Yeah. We have a we have a camp in Northern Wisconsin. Yeah, you and... told me uh, uh, Bishop Gunn performed there. Yeah, Bishop Gunn played two years in a row there, and what a band is Bishop Gunn! Oh my God, you guys get your asses back together, man. Work it out. Get it together, you guys Travis. Are so good, man. Unbelievable, oh, dude. They're so good. So yeah, but my we would do a Fourth of July, and my dad was in charge of the fireworks, and man, my dad, I remember the first. Year my dad in charge of the fireworks he got a couple of styrofoam uh surfboards and he and he put all like the 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 what are those balls that go up in the air those where they shoot the balls up they go two and it shoots a ball oh, and it shoots talk- up like 10 of them uh, yeah it's not a another- bottle rocket it's yeah. not that well, he had bottle rockets and 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 these other things where you right. could hold it's the them ball in there. Yes, yeah, and, and the ball up, would go up, and then it would blow up. And he wired and he wired all this stuff together. And, and I remember the first year he did it, he had these two surfboards and he lit them both. And and he spent like two days before taping the wicks together and making doing that. My dad was an engineer, just doing all this shit. And he lit them both and pushed them and took and all both of them just blew up. And then and it was a total dud show. And then he figured out those cannons as and then and then they would buy, get those tubes, you know, with the three inch mortars, and they figured out where to go get them i'm sure they were buying them illegally in indiana or wherever i don't know why i'm saying indiana no, look, i remember something about indiana a lot of illegal shit in indiana bro <laughs> and we will say that that's okay to say that all right that's um, cool so anyway but that was my dad's deal the fourth of july party was great and uh, and i remember my dad would take us to his company christmas party and it was the, the only thing fancy you know we it would be fancy and we'd go to a company christmas party and it sounds like in hindsight like it sounds like maybe when you you were young and i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to get in your life or anything here I'm definitely fascinated. I'm curious about stuff like, you know, familiar relationships and how that kind of plays into how we behave and stuff. Yeah. Um, because I wondered a lot about it in my own life and I still figure that out a lot. I feel like I had a lot of childhood trauma, so I'm still kind of figuring that out, uh, out sometimes. But it sounds like, you know, you're that you were almost most like your father in a lot of ways, even though when you were a kid, it seemed like your brothers probably were. You know, I, I, I think that my brain was a lot like my father, but my father had a natural confidence uh, that he just, you know, uh, uh, we were just talking about Bobby Kidrock. You know, Bobby walks yeah. into a room and he just, he just, he just owns it, right? Yeah. And 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 um, my father was very much like that, and that you bravado kind of, yeah, just bravado and just yeah. just owned it, you know. And and he and and, and I, I just don't have uh, whatever I have, I've earned, and I and and I've earned, and I and I pay, and I and it's it just doesn't come naturally, you know yeah. what I mean? I, I've earned it. I work on it. I because there's a lot of insecurities being a fat kid, being a poor kid, or you know, going through what oh, we went yeah. through. There's a lot that comes with it and I think it comes with you forever and you get it and then I think that I fought the business so much and, and the business went from you know being the little sandwich maker guy into this giant behemoth three billion dollar company and, right. and so I, I went from you know 
making people smile and here's your sandwich and thank you, sir. Can I sell you some chips to, to, you know, the evolution was it, you know, at the end of the, at, at the end, it was, it was, you know, all I can remember is litigation, you know, it was just one law- lawsuit after another, right? You're freaky fast. You must speed. I uh, know, uh, Mr. We, we don't speed. Well, you, but you say freaky fast. I know, but we only deliver this. You, it's a five minute drive time during peak traffic and our, and our, Computer system won't take an order out of our delivery area. We don't speed. It's we design the the delivery system that way. Well, but you you, you but people speed and, and you know it was so hard to convince you know because we we got sued often for crashes and shit. Right? Oh, really? So absolutely. Well, you're freaky fast, but then the people that we were freaky fast not because we were freaky fast because we I made the delivery area small and I made the delivery area small so we could be really have really good service and I wanted to be the really good service guy instead of the great sandwich guy right. you know and so i focused more on the service than i did the speed but it was but at the end it, you know the, the it just changed a lot right and that's why I, I just you know i just it was uncle it was time for me to be out of it mm. so but it changed a lot you know it was really romantic at the beginning you know oh, there yeah. were long nights but the problems i could solve and then it got to you know problems that i couldn't solve then it just just became a, a behemoth it, it was a big big company when i sold it and we we're vertically integrated right we supplied all the food to all the stores and, and oh wow uh, so kind of like that Ray Kroc model kind of kind of yeah yeah, yeah, I think didn't they? Yeah, they ended up supplying supplying all the stores. A lot, yeah, supplying all their yeah, own the stores. The majority of the products we supplied. So, yeah. Um, now, what point did you start to study other business? You know, was there a point where that where you like where you started to become okay? I'm not a sandwich maker. I am a businessman. Like, does that kind of start to happen at some point? Yeah, for sure. No, for the first time is I'm learning how to make sandwiches. Then I learned how to be a boss. Then I learned how to do math. Then I learned how to be an accountant. Then I realized, you know, I, I got to sell these things. Then I figured out how to deliver. And then I figured out, you know, how to uh, how to print a menu. And then I figured out. Then I had to write a menu. And then I, then I had to get the menus printed. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to take these menus. I'm going to print them on a sticky card, and people can tear them off and stick them, you know, on their dorm desk. And so. I had the I had my menus. They were sticky menus, and they were all over the campuses. And people love stickers, so I made my menus into stickers. And I saw my my stuff all over the place. Right? I mean, I had dorm rooms decorated with my Jimmy John's menus. And I figured out how to do that. Then I figured out, you know, how to do an ad. And I placed an ad and didn't work. And then I started doing these big headlines. So I figured out how to place an ad. And then I figured out how to buy an ad. And so then then I went through that. Then I went. Then I had to find real estate. Then I f- had to figure out what is good real estate and what works and what doesn't work. And then I had to figure out what a lease. And you figure out what a good lease is by getting burned on a couple of bad leases. Then you figure out what a good lease is. And then you get good locations and you get good leases. And then, and then you got to, and and, and then from there, you know, then I had to figure out franchising. I had 10 stores over 10 years and I, I wrote the opening and closing procedures and I did that during those 10 years. So all of those 10 stores could be operated the same way. And my customers had the same experience, whether I was there or not, I compensated my manager with a piece of the action. Every time. Right. Every, so that we, we were all copacetic, all symbiotic everybody's happy mm. so you had to figure all that out and then as that grew then I then when I and when I started franchising Theo in 93, I joined this organization called Young Presidents Organization. Mm-hmm. And they said, as a founder, you got to give up your power or give up and hire, a, put a professional in to run your company because you're an entrepreneur. So I took that advice and I hired some professionals from a large restaurant company to run my franchise company and dumb me stayed running the company store. So in 93, I hired two execs and we started franchising the Jimmy John's model. Right. So I had to learn that. I had to, I had to save 
give up the money to do it. And then I had to learn what a franchise contract is, what a, a, a FDD is, which is a federal disclosure document that the feds make you create. I had to learn what that was. Then when I had to write one, then I had to write a bad one to write a good one. So I figured out yeah, how to write a good yeah. FDD, you know, and then, and then, and then I had to figure out what a good franchisee was. And so from 93 to 2003, we opened, we had 176 Jimmy John's franchise stores and had 23 company stores. And, and this is a relevant part of this story. My 23 stores at that time were making me about 4 million bucks a year, just those 23 stores profit. And I had no debt. Wow. I didn't have debt because I didn't know how to get debt. And my sales were going straight up at my 23 company stores. My 176 franchise stores sales were going down and had 76 of them failing. So 93 to 2003, I was in denial. I was taking the franchise fees. It was intoxicating. I didn't yeah. How much, get, now, how, how much do you get on the franchise fees? 25 grand a pop. Ooh, yeah. So that was intoxicating money. Oh, yeah. And finally, James James North, who's my president, he came to me and he said, "Jimmy, he's we got to stop selling franchises, man. Why? He's just because we got nothing. This thing's we got we got half the stores are failing. And man. why was it? What's hap- What was the number one cause of why the stores were failing? Well, we we so we we stopped selling franchises. But no, he, why, I, why were the ones that were fa- say, oh right? Uh, the answer to the question is they weren't following systems and procedures, and they didn't put our process on a pedestal because the company, the people that I hired from this other company, didn't have such systems and procedures that we had at Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's is the most consistent chain that I mean, Jimmy John's SBA loan was the highest performing, lowest failure rate SBA loan in the country wow. because we were. Did you have you had consistent experiences at Jimmy John's? I have. That's the re- that's the reason for. So they weren't following our program. We were. So we fired all those guys. And James and myself literally went on the road in 2003. I had, Freddie was, was, uh, two years old. Lucy was three. These are your children. My children. And here I'm going to go on the road again. Now, after I'm on the road 20 years, I'm going to go back on the road again and turn around 76 sub shops that were failing. So he and I did. We went on the road. It was a 12-month plan. We ended up on the road for 18 months and we turned around 70 of 76 stores ourselves with our own hands. And from that point forward, when we got back 2004-ish, late 2004, I said, I'm going to tell every single person that wants to open a Jimmy John's that this is a lifestyle. This is nights. This is weekends. This is no weddings, no funerals. You can't get the sniffles. You can't have hurt feelings. This is a brand that if you buy into this, it's like having children, man. Wow. It's, it's, it, it, and I, so I told people the truth about it because I didn't want to do that again. I was done. I didn't. I, I didn't have another one of those in me. And when you say another one of those, what do you mean? Like being on right? the road for eighteen months, twenty four seven again? Did that ruin your marriage? You think? No, no way. No shit. No, I was. I was. I got divorced back in ninety three. So I was. I, w- I was with okay. my current wife. Okay. And uh, no, it didn't ruin my marriage, but uh, it, it made me. Because that's I, a lot, man. It's, I mean, it's a lot. And when you say it, it reminded me of stand up comedy. Like so many of my friends' funerals, I've missed. So many of my friends' weddings, I've missed. Yeah. And you, you know, it, it adjusts your friendship. When you don't make somebody's wedding, man, it adjusts your friendship with them a little bit. For you know. Sure. And it's kind of weird because sometimes you get to the end of the sum of the line and you have this career that's nice, but you've definitely, uh, there were a lot of stair steps that you missed along the way, a lot of social ones and emotional ones with other people. For sure, for sure. But after we got back from that and we did that road trip and, and, we, and, we, and we turned the stores around, literally, you want to open uh, Jimmy John's, we told you the truth. We, I mean, was making enough money. Remember I said my 23 stores oh, were making so before me- you're just kind of handing them out. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, but not anymore. So now, what do you have to change in the documentation on y'all's end to assure that people will run it a certain way? Is there anything legally that you have to change? No, but what I did is 
I had a conversation like we're having, Theo. Uh-huh. This is I'm Jimmy. You're Theo. We're going to have a conversation about real stuff. And I, I would sit down just like this and say, look, it's nights. It's weekends. It's it's not forgiving. It's not flexible. There are no days off. Do you really want to do this? Okay. If you do it, we'll give you one store. Great. You, we train you. We made it really hard. We had to come to Champaign, Illinois, train for three weeks, and then do a two-week internship somewhere else in a city like their store is going to be. Mm. Made it really hard for them to do. You know what I mean? Wow. And then they did that, and then they opened up, and we helped them. And then if they were really good at it, we and they wanted to do another one, we let them. And if they hated it, we'd get them out really quick. And so, and so we teamed up with people that really wanted to do it. You know, I was in the selling business. I was hustling. So, and then I realized, well, I'm hustling, but I'm hustling bullshit you know and so i quit you know i started just telling it like it is and remember i was in this beautiful situation because i didn't have debt i had i was making the dough for my company-owned stores so i said if i'm gonna have this growth vehicle it's gonna be solid as a rock amen and that's what i wanted man and you owe that to mr northcutt a lot i mean oh for sure absolutely that that was that was his idea to do that and uh and jay he's he's brand president right now working for inspire brands was it hard oh wow yeah was it hard for him to stop to like get your attention because it wasn't no, no when he talked i listened and when, wow. when i talked he listened the greatest partner in the world he's a one he's one of the greatest guys i ever met i mean he's he's trustee to my children i mean he's uh he's a world-class man met him in met him in uh in in cold bay alaska in 1999 he was a high school kid and i just met him i said come on to america and and uh i'll teach you to be the greatest sandwich maker in the world he said tell me about your sandwich shop i said it's great we're open from 10 to 2 he says shit I'm just I'm just out of college. I'll come. Were you open to ten to two? He says I'll come. So he comes all the way from New Zealand to join me. He says I didn't know you meant ten to two a.m. He said I thought it was ten to two p.m. He's like oh shit I'm here. So anyway that that's a true story. So he's still there and running it. Oh that's hilarious. Yeah it's funny. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under twenty four hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You know, I remember a couple, uh, probably about a year, a year and a half ago, I pulled off the side of the road. I said, I need some dang help. I was in my car and I couldn't get any help. So I said, I need better help. And I got on the phone. Next thing you know, I'm FaceTiming with a licensed therapist right there on the side of the road. People honking. People calling me the F word. People calling me dirty names. Creep pussy. But I was getting help, man. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. They make it easy and free to change counselors if you need. Visit BetterHelp.com slash T-H-E-O. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. And join the over half a million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for this past weekend listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Theo. Look, if you want to... If you want to put that, you know, an athlete is something that's active, something that's moving, something that is uh, creating beauty, something that is making things um, uh, that is in motion. And what I'm talking about is athletic greens. They basically took an athlete and put it in the greens, baby. One of the ways I've taken ownership over my health is with athletic greens. You take it in the morning. It's easy. You mix it in. It's a great mix. You mix it right in the water. Boom. I throw an ice cube in there for that temperature of comfort. You get that temperature at the same spot you need it at. Today's program is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage. It has everything in it. 75 vitamins and minerals. Do you know how long it would take you? 
to take 75 vitamins. It could literally take you an hour and a half. They have whole food sourced ingredients, multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green, superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, and aid in digestion. Yep, go to athleticgreens.com and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. When you use athleticgreens.com slash Theo, join health experts, athletes, and health-conscious go-getters around the world. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash T-H-E-O and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Athleticgreens.com slash Theo. Um, we have a question right here that came in from a sure. young man. Theo Vaughn, hello from England. Um, before I get on to my question for Jimmy John, uh, Mr. Jimmy John, I'd like to uh, say to you thank you for uh, you know your consistent rare light shining through dark times. Um making these you know these uncertain times a little bit easier to deal with a little bit less of a struggle on a daily basis so thank you for the from the bottom of my heart for that and to you mr jimmy john um when i was over in boston working over there i got a taste for that uh, freaky fast freaky fresh hitter um <laughs> the vo and i was wondering when you you plan on uh, bringing your sandwiches over to england at all um mainly because at the moment all we've got is subway oh which sucks yeah, and I made well, love to a girl near a subway once. <laughs> so did I. Hey, so, brother, yeah. yeah. Jimmy John's Freaky Fast, Freaky Fresh International. Is it a possibility? Um, thanks, guys. Gang, gang. Gang, brother. And thanks for the nice words, man. Merry Christmas to you, man. And I love you. And uh, thanks for being a, a, a part of this podcast. Um, Send me your address and I'll FedEx you some sandwiches anytime you want. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll do it for you once a month. You just send, you can get my, my email address from Theo and, uh, and I'll hook you up. I'll FedEx them with ice packs and you'll get them fresh in England. I don't own it anymore, buddy. Yeah, we'll send you some though. That's a, that's very sweet of you. That'd be great. Be, hey, look, man, it's a Christmas gift for you from Jimmy John himself, man. You know, I tell you, you guys group does good though, man. I, they set me up with a lifetime membership. Oh really? Yep. I, I ta- I, cause I'm a, I've been a long time Jimmy John Eats. I'm a Turkey Tom guy, and so I would get the Turkey Tom, and I would just talk about it on Snapchat or on uh, Instagram story. And then yeah, one day they wrote me back, and I remember I took the card to the guy here, and the guy's like, "Dang, I don't even know if I've ever even seen one of these." <laughs> he was like all stoked, you know. Dude, I thought I was the only one that gave those out. So good, my guys were my guys were doing the right thing. I don't think they're giving them to everybody though. So I, no, they're not. I, it was nice that they. Uh, that they did it though. You still um, got it? I still got it. Yeah. Sweet. I've, I we were just we just shot a sketch this morning with Brett Favre Jr. Actually, and we were doing uh, we treated we uh gave the card to my buddy to go treat everybody to lunch. Oh, nice. Whenever I came over here. Cool. Um, okay, so let's get into a little bit more of like, so you got you have the business. What what changed for you when you became? Were you guys rich when you were a kid? No, I told you we were we were poor twice. So, but we were bankrupt in seventy two and seventy six, and I left home in eighty two. And then my father, I would say he started. He got out of debt in seventy six. And I, when I was in high school, my father had a Cadillac. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what your definition of rich is or what your definition of spicy is, but he had a Cadillac, you know. And then when I left home, and and he became way more successful after after I left home, you know. What and, business did he get into? So my father was a book salesman, and then he was a plastic 
plastic molder. My father invented the process of molding molten plastic around metal. It was called insert molding. It was a technology that he he was the he really created the technology. And essentially, what it did is, anytime you could take metal out of a part and and make the majority of the part plastic and just make the metal on metal contact metal and the re- you could remove cost out of a part. Ah, so it, it you know it, it was a great technology. And so so the first time he just didn't do his books right. And in '76 he developed a a CB antenna and to make a CB antenna CB antenna, I love CB antenna. You had to co- uh, coil copper wire around a, a magnet mm-hmm. and 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 it was your antenna base. Well, my dad molded it and by molding it he could make them very consistent, make made them perform better. And his top salesman, top accountant, top engineer. Uh, split, stole the design, and went and opened up a competing business and bankrupted him. And that was in '76, ah. and, and that's how he got bankrupt the second time. They, they, and and the government and the courts were so slow that by the time he got to the courts and got in suing them, the antenna technology the, the, had passed him. Well, the, the 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 CB business had been flying, mm-hmm. and yeah, the basically, and so. But anyway, he learned and uh, uh, you know had a little humility and and uh, and oh. worked his ass off. And and that's, that must that's, have been heartbreaking, though. You have your family going, you know, yeah. you work in so hard on something you're inventing you're creating something yeah it's like a baby it's like your thing yeah yeah and then somebody burns you like that somebody burns you but welcome to the club right it's I mean, business who man it's also burned? business it's life it's life. It is life. But from yeah. that, my father created a product called the K40 CB antenna mm-hmm. that guaranteed it was guaranteed to transmit further and receive clearer than any other antenna. And he sold them uh, over the telephone to independent dealers, wow. and uh, and that became a, that became a successful business. And so, yeah, dad, dad ended up doing well. But I was gone. I I mean, like I told you, I was raised. We didn't we didn't have stuff. We had a lot of love, but not stuff. I think my younger brother and sister had a little had a little cushier time than, than my older brother and I. Um, do you think your dad felt a Achieved by the time he had passed away in his life, my dad was very achieved. Right? Do you oh, think my... he felt it though? I understand that he was. Yeah, I would say. It's... Was he content? You know, as content as any man can be, because contentment, you know, contentment is shifts, is fleeting. Kinda. It's a, it's a, it's temporary, right? Perfection's a journey, not a destination, right? So, yeah. you know, I would say at moments he felt, but I, my dad was pretty proud of himself. Um, he just was naturally. Uh, but to and, be able to fill that, I bet to be able to be it yeah. and then to actually kind of stuff it with the right cotton, you know, yeah, yeah, there you by go. the end of the line, I bet that probably felt pretty cool. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my dad was proud of himself and, and, and he should be, he, yeah. he, he rocked it. I mean, he set the foundation for me to do what I did and I would listen to him when I was a kid. He was working all the time. He's on the phone all the time and, 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 and doing his books after he, after he didn't do his books right. And, you know, I learned to do my books cause I knew I had to know my books and I know one of the kids said, you know, what do you got to do to be successful you got to have a better product than everybody else you got to know your cost and you got to outwork the competition mm-hmm. and if you can do those three things you can be successful but you got to be willing to do it you can't just google it you got to do it right. you got to get in there and be uncomfortable when most people don't want to be uncomfortable right right that's how you did it so i don't know where i'm going with that Theo. no it's a good point look i mean I, I remember walking out of uh you know joe rogan's studio and being like man that guy has it made you know and and um and then I remember thinking, well, how could I do that? And I started doing some podcasting in my kitchen, you know, and just kind of built it in and built a camera. And I would get one of my, you know, bought a camera and got a, you know, just a thing on my desk. And then my computer would record also, stay up, edit it, put in the music. And then one day some people started listening, you know, putting it out there, putting the product out there. And then a guy called me from this place called Gray Block Pizza. It's a small pizza place in, in L.A. and Bend, Oregon. They have a branch. And they were our charter sponsor for years and they still are and really that's where the term get that hitter came from which is uh now one of our main merchandise pieces but um 
and he's still right now your your guy. Yep, he's still my guy. This uh, this guy Thomas, and he said, you know what, man, I believe in you. He goes, what you need to get, you need to get a studio. You know, you just, and he goes, I'll give you a thousand dollars a month. And I said, well, man, I, you know, I, if you give me a thousand dollars, I'm gonna keep that thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm not spending it on a studio, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna take that thousand dollars. I'm gonna go retire. Right. You know, on. like that's where my brain was. <laughs> And he goes, no, man, you can't see it. He goes, you can't see it, but if you get to here, you're going to be fine when you get there. He goes, you've just never been there. You know, you've just never. And it wasn't a big jump, but it was, yeah, getting a place. And then we bought a studio. Man, the first studio we released was uh, take away this little enclave, and it was just as big as this room. And, man, we had some amazing guests came in there. Dustin Poirier came in. Jordan Peterson, who's one of the premier, like, uh, speakers and, and, and orders and, and brains of our time. Um, Bert Kreischer, Tom Segura. Just, we had amazing guests in this little bitty space, you know, and, uh. Was it in Bend, Oregon? No, this was in, uh, in LA. In LA. This was in LA, yeah. But yeah, we moved from our kitchen over to another place. And then now we have two studios now and we have two podcasts. And it, it's definitely, it's a lot more work now. You know, you don't get to just sit there and be the fun guy sometimes. You don't You don't get to be the, you know, some friends of mine have been in sitcoms and they say once you get in the sitcom and it's about you, you don't get to be the guy telling the jokes. You're the guy in the middle that everybody around you is telling the jokes. And sometimes I think some of business starts to get get to be like that. You don't get to be as much the, the goof anymore 100% of the time because you got to be the glue a lot of the times, you know, or you try gotta be, to be both. You got to be both. And it's different yeah. things at different times, right? Sometimes you need to love. Sometimes you need to motivate and sometimes you need to correct. And sometimes you need to celebrate. And it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act, man. It's spinning plates. And I think we have a very similar story. I think a very similar story, just different medium. I was doing sandwiches. You're doing what you're doing with your intellect and your comedy. Yeah. And, uh, you know. well, yeah, and it's the it's the it's the thing of self serving. It's like, how do I put out something that's good? How meticulous am I? W- were there times where you were too meticulous? Because I find that in myself sometimes I'm too on top of people about things, and it almost just it like debilitates me sometimes sure. with the folk where my focus is. Sure, that overall it hurts things. You yeah, know, one hundred percent. You know, was I was I ever too meticulous? I was very much penny wise and pound foolish. So when the business got to be you know approaching three billion dollars in sales, almost three thousand stores, nineteen hundred in the pipeline. I mean, this thing was a, we were opening thirty stores a month, selling forty five new deals a month. I mean, it it it, it, it was a monster. I wouldn't even go to sleep if I was doing uh, that. It well. was I couldn't. It was crazy. It was driving me nuts. And when I, I actually talked to James North today, the, who's the current brand president, um, and uh, as I talked to him today, he's a real strategic, big thinker, and I'm I'm an operator. Like, okay, shit's bad. Okay, let's go get more drivers. Let's bake better bread. Let's clean the store better. You know, let's uh, let's let's make the lights brighter. You know, I'm a real sort of a, a pragmatic operator, and James was a real strategic thinker. So I was focusing so much on on, on little stuff that I was missing sight of the big stuff. You follow me? Mm-hmm. And so that for me at the time that I mean, how I got it is big as I got it I have no idea I got so lucky and selling it and you know and 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 doing the final deal in October of of 19 you know before COVID and everything I got lucky but but I was not a uh, I got way caught up in the minutiae way the lawsuits were personal for for for, and for big companies lawsuits aren't personal for me it was another attack on me another attack on me like the shark another attack on Jimmy another attack on Jimmy that's not me I'm not that's not me with the shark oh oh yeah that's Jim no it's, it's not me Right, you know, but the the attack, the attack. Yeah, that's you killing these drivers, whatever. That's not me, man. It's no. like we just have a, a, a advertising plan. Like, 
That's right. Wow. So it, so 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 I just uh, so when I when you take things personally, yeah, and you it, take it, things it, personally. It, it, it if you work real energy. hard, and you started from the grassroots. Yeah. It's all personal to you. It is personal. It's extremely personal, yeah. man. Yeah. So I'm just getting over that now, and I'm actually when the when the sale first went down, it was weird, man. Uh, you know, because you got sold for what 150. What did you guys sell for? Dollars? 150 billion, I was going to say. No, you know what? That's insane I, amount, I, isn't it? I'd love to tell you, but I'm just. You can't I'm, tell, I'm, that's yeah, fine. It's confidential. So you guys sold, but now when you sell, then let's go to this. When you yeah. sell, what does that mean? You sell what? Are you still a chairman? Are you still. Do they. Are you still. Great questions. Are you still doing. Sometimes, man. So, so let, let me let me tell you how it works. So you said, like, Jimmy, when did you start to think about getting in under other businesses? You asked me that earlier. In 2007, I sold 28% of the business. And so I had a chunk of dough. And I didn't know how to invest. So I bought farm ground and I bought gold. Mm-hmm. Okay? And get, let me tell you how naive I was. My brilliant Jewish partners, they're awesome guys, mm-hmm. Michael Lazarus, he says, he says, oh, you bought gold. What gold fund did you buy? I said, what's a gold fund? He says, you took physical possession of gold? Uh. I said, yeah, man. I bought 400-ounce bars. And he said, you, he said, you just buy a fund. I didn't even know what a gold fund was. So, But I understood farming. You know, mm-hmm. you buy the seed. So so I started thinking about other businesses. And, you know, at that time, I, I sold 28% of it. And then in 2006, then at, I gave my employees 7% of the company. And I still own 65%. In 2016, I sold 30 points of my 65 points to a company called Rourke Capital. Mm-hmm. And they own, uh, you know, they, 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 they have like 30,000 restaurants. They own, they own Aunt Anne's. They own Carvel. Uh, they have an offshoot Inspire Brands who we merged with. They have Arby's, Buffalo Wild Wings, Sonic, and Jimmy Johnson now just bought Dunkin' Donuts, right? Oh, wow. So, so, I sold, I so I sold 30 points to them in 2016. And then 35%, I merged my final... Thirty-five percent with Inspire Brands, and so now I'm a I'm a large shareholder of Inspire Brands, and so that's how it works, and that's how it worked for me. It's not how everybody does it; it's how I did it, and uh, and that that way just worked for me. Are you pleased with how you did it? Looking back, yeah. Are you kidding me? I think I mean, I, come on. I mean, are you kidding me? Well, but yeah. but when you're perfection, when you are someone who's to the minutia, are there things that are there things you would have done any differently looking back? Um. Because look, man, I'll be laying in a fucking gold coffin <laughs> complaining about something. I got rid of the gold bars, by the way. I, really, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I sold them at the right time, too. Oh, thank um, God, man. Yeah, that's a tricky business. But, uh, uh, you know, are there things that I wished I did different? Gosh, yes. You know, I, I wish I, I wouldn't have. Uh, I, there's a lot of things I wish I would have done different. But, you know, that, that that's the beauty of life. And that's that's the beauty of age and, and wisdom. And, 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 and with, with wisdom and with experience comes some peace. And, and, and my brain, I got a side of my brain that's been able to grow now that, that wasn't growing because of the noise. The noise was so intense and, and, and the noise was just so intense. I mean, my, my resting heart rate when I wake up in the morning, I was under 60 and I weighed 275 pounds, Damn. you know, and it was like a hundred you know so it's it's uh the noise is gone and the peace is here and 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 my family's here and you know life is good and and my timing i got lucky with my timing theo give me a break yeah get out of here i got lucky okay i'll take it right i'll take it take it yeah sometimes you put a hundred bucks on red when you spin the wheel and you hit red i'll take the hundred take the fucking red yeah so there you go yeah that's a good point yeah sometimes there's even this weird like thing about taking like luck you know it's like it feels like it wasn't like yours but yeah it's like you got to take that man that's life it is life because it'll get it could just as easily go the other way and it does yeah and it most often does absolutely it most often does let's take a question right here from a young fella right here come out jimmy john one question what do you get at jimmy john's fucking mind-blowing 
Oh, and you like Subway better. Right on. So I love a turkey tom with onions and oil and vinegar added to it. I oh. love a turkey tom that way. But if you get it that way, you got to eat it immediately. You can't wait. My go-to sandwich is the new East Coast hoagie. So you got to get the new number seven East Coast spicy hoagie. That is my favorite one right it's now. It's good? For sure. I think it's the best sandwich that we've ever we've ever done. I like the Frenchie a lot, but Inspire Brands got rid of it. Did you have the little Frenchie? Nope, I never had Uh, Nope, I never had it. Never had it. I've always gotten the turkey tom, except for the last couple times I went, I got a club. Um, Italians. Uh, yeah, t- Italian nightclub. Yeah, number nine. So, but I um, I've been a turkey tom guy my whole life, man. I'm a real. I kind of stick with what works for me, you know. Uh, so and, you're forty. Yeah, I'm forty now. Yeah, you know, now that I, re- I'm just sitting here thinking, Jimmy John's just part of your whole life. Oh, a hundred percent. Jimmy John's was only part. Of, was half of my life. I, I have a hard time with the obvious. I just oh, realized yeah, man. you I, were you were grew up with it. Dude, it's crazy. So if I'm touring or I'm in a different city and I, wherever I get, the first thing on my way into town, I will see if they have a Jimmy John. I'll just have them bring one right to the hotel. So when I get there, I have a Jimmy John's, man. It's one thing that I do feel about Jimmy John's is it is as reliable a food that exists out there. I Every time it's going to be the same and it always gets there fast, man. It's right just on. there. It's like... It really is. It's just there. The other shit, I don't know what's going to happen. People, somebody might get shot on the way to deliver. I have no idea. But with Jimmy John's, it's straight up. Now, I had, I actually got, I had got a, I hooked up with Jared from Subway's sister a long time ago in the French Quarter. This is a long time no ago. No way. So I've had some some unique interactions with some, you know, with some sandwich experiences over my life. But, um, and then I used to talk about Quiznos a lot of times. Now, Quiznos went under, right? Yeah. And here's why I think, and this is just as a straight male, you know? Quiznos, I would go into Quiznos, right? And you get the toasted sandwich. It's toasted, right? Which I liked. It's cool, you know? But the problem with Quiznos was there was just men in there eating them. So when you have a toasted sandwich and you're like bringing it up to your mouth and it has like this kind of like this big open mouth kind of vibe and you're just sitting there, there's other men in there just looking at each other. It had this extremely homoerotic vibe for me at Quiznos. And I wouldn't, bro, and I think I really believe that it hit a lot of men that way and it, it just it it kind of made it too tough for me to go get Quiznos, and sometimes the the it would burn my mouth. It would like ch- kind of chat me up a little bit, and it just felt kind of homoerotic eating those in there because it was only men in there. I think they only really catered to men. I I have no idea. I, I never this is the first time I ever heard this in my oh, life. Oh, this is a big theory out there, but a lot of women won't go get a toasted sandwich. It just you it's know who not, does a good toasted sandwich is Potbelly. It's not dainty enough. I like Potbelly. Like they don't pot toast belly? them too hard, right? Yeah. I like that. But um, but anyway, those are just some sandwich experiences that I've had. But did you, uh, was there another sandwich place that you really enjoyed over the years? Or another business that you watched grow over the years? Yeah, I think that, uh, let's, what what businesses? I, I think pret does a great job. I'm not uh, even familiar with them. They're, they're London-based. McDonald's owned them. And then they opened some stores in New York. They do a really good job with sandwiches. I think Portillo's Hot Dogs did a great job. Portillo's think, is good. They're out of Chicago, right? Yeah, out of Chicago. Yeah. So my friend Dick Portillo, he sold about the same time, just about a year before I did. So another another great guy. I love Portillo's a lot. Um, what else do I respect a lot? Um, I really respect Chick-fil-A. How can you not respect Chick-fil-A? So I mean, what they do, I mean, my pleasure is getting a little old, but I respect it. And it's what they do. And it's what they say. I guess Freaky Fast could be getting pretty old too. But um, I think Chick-fil-A is incredible respect. I think McDonald's new quarter pounder with cheese with the fresh burger. I think it's an incredible product. I don't know if I've had that yet. Yeah, they're using a fresh meat patty now. Really? It's really a big difference. It's big time. Yeah, you ought to try it. Wow. How can you not respect In-N-Out? I mean, it's kind of a grilled cheese sandwich flavored 
with vegetables and a little bit of meat patty, but it's still pretty damn good, and the price is really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, what else do I really respect a lot? Was there a good brand that came through that didn't make it that you were like, man, what happened here? Because this thing was... That didn't make it? KFC, I do not... I, I, I don't... I'm a Popeye's guy, you know, but... I love Popeye's, Popeye's new chicken good. sandwich. And their, their, their chicken is just... Bro, if they made a heroin, I would buy it. <laughs> it's so good. Dude, Popeye's is good. Bro, if Popeye's made a heroin... <laughs> dude, I don't think America would exist anymore. <laughs> but yeah, there's just something about their... Did you ever meet that guy? Uh, what was that? Al Copeland. Yeah. Yeah, and his son. Really? Yeah. What was that like? Because I'll tell you this. So living, growing up in that area, he put the big Christmas lights up by the edge of the lake and people would get pissed because they had to drive their car by him. And then like people were like, I'm getting old. I, I can't see the end of the bridge when I'm driving. So there was always, he was always this like flamboyant, like uh, bigger than larger life. than life. He was like, that was like my dad. But go ahead. Oh, wow. Back to Al Copeland. Yeah, he was just like that. He was like larger than life, like the big Christmas lights and we're doing this and we got a, you, you felt like he had a cigar in his hand, even if he didn't have it in his hand, you know, <laughs> he was just larger than life. He was, he was. I used to watch his offshore powerboat racing. Remember he did that? Dude, the cigarette boats. And he I, would take hot girls back and forth from our town over to New Orleans and then bring them back like a month later. <laughs> a month later. But I love that stuff so much. And I ended up creating a, a or, or being part of a, a offshore powerboat with the Jimmy John's offshore part and we won the world championship three no years in a row and I that was all inspired by that dude Al Copeland I thought it was so cool wow. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world man it was uh yeah he was a hero remember his sunglasses and his gold chains oh yeah his dude. big black hair oh yeah he was killing it he I can't I, I don't know if he was Italian I don't know what he was Copeland I'm not sure he but, wanted to be Italian yeah he wanted to be for That's sure a great call for sure. yeah he was a he was the legend around our town around our area growing up because he was just he bought this big place right when you got off of the causeway bridge in new orleans and they had he put all of his boats in his truck everything that was big he put it just it was in these big glass windows you could just see when you drove by for no real reason but just to be like hey this is what i you know here's what's going on here's my shit yeah 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 um did you um were there some what are some other big entrepreneurial type guys i'm sure you that's one thing that's probably happened that maybe you didn't even expect is like you probably got to cross paths with just some amazing entrepreneurs over the years you know what i have and you know i can I do a shout out to somebody sure so it's 1987 and my father knew this guy named jamie coulter who's a pizza hut operator out of wichita and my dad asked him he and he met him and my dad was in this ypo group i told you about and my dad asked jamie to visit with me and talk me out of these dumb little sandwich shops that i had i had three of them at the time or four of them at the time so i met jamie coulter and jamie had 25 pizza hut stores i met him and at the time he made twice as much money at his pizza huts than the chain average and we're talking together and he called my dad and he said uh, uh, big jim he says i'm sorry he said your son believes in what he's doing here and i'm going to champion him and support him because he believes in it and he can do it so jamie coulter ended up building those 25 pizzas to 125 sold them created lone star steakhouse wow. created sullivan's and then bought del frisco's and jamie's been my been been my mentor since 1987 and he's now uh, just turned 80 years old and he is a young 80 and he is he has coached me my entire life he's taught me he's taught me how to how to, how to 
tie a tie, how to how to drink wine, how to how to how to talk to people. How, to, how he he's taught me about life. He he he's he's been a he was a he he was with me. So Jamie, I love you, brother, and uh, he's an awesome awesome dude. Wow. And uh, he and I are partners in a new brand uh, that uh, that's called Seven Brew out of Northwest Arkansas. So we have nine little drive-through uh, coffee shops, and uh, and so he's my partner in that. So that's a, that's a new venture that we're doing. So Jamie Coulter, and then I have met so many of the of the great entrepreneurs um, in America. I mean, I don't, I, you know, Dick Portillo from Portillo's Hot Dogs, and um, uh, I mean, I've I've, I've I've met the Coke family, and I I met uh, 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 Henry Kravis from you know the KKR and George Roberts, and from those guys, and Dave, James Coulter from TPG, and and so many. I mean, it's endless how many entrepreneurs. Right. And then I and then I was fortunate enough to to be nominated to the Horatio Alger Association. And you guys and, won it, right? I won it two years ago, and just in that in that alone, I mean, it was it's me, it's the CEO or the the uh, Warren Buffett's right hand guy, it's uh, Roger Penske's there, Peyton Manning, you know, it was just crazy company. Oprah Winfrey, you know, it's like whatever. How did a sandwich guy get here? Like, you know, are you a magician? <laughs> you a magician? Yeah, Do maybe. You find it hard to talk to some of those people in certain circles, or is it not really? Yeah, what do you find? Do you find because like what are you gonna? I don't know what I would even say to. Theo, let me tell you something. Yeah, they are so refreshed by refreshed people that don't have an agenda. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not beholden to anybody. I don't have any debt. I don't owe anybody anything. I have everything I own is mine. And and I and I'm always help when I can be helpful. I'm not virtuous, but I'm just a just a just Jimmy. And so when I talk to somebody, I think when you talk to them real, I think their guard goes down. And then I think they kind of want to peel off and like hang with you and say, you know, hey, what's up? Hanging out? What's up? You know, what, what are you doing? What's new? And I, they I, they are very endearing to me when I meet high level people. Um, they they I I seem to be able to just talk to them, and I talk just like this. Yeah. And I th- don't think that most people talk just straight up like this, right? And and I find that uh, it's really really easy to the the more you are you, the more they can be them, and and you, you they realize you don't have an agenda, and they just shine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's with any human being, not not wherever they I are. I agree. I think all human beings react to authenticity and genuineness and real man and that's all people want it's a fair shake yeah yeah there's something new about uh i think especially in this day in this age about vulnerability and how that is becoming like a, a commodity you know or just being able to relate you know or hey i think vulnerability just saying look this is kind of where i'm at this is like some of my things that are going on this is some way i can relate to you this is some way i think it's why podcasting has done so well because mm-hmm. there's just more of a conversation uh-huh. Um, like uh, there was some like I, I part of me for a long time wished that Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump would have been on the same ticket because I felt like they were such opposites but it would be great to see such opposites on the have to work together that is fascinating to then make a move forward right how about and, that and I've always thought that maybe why does the vice president just get to be the same like let's pick the let's give an antithesis so that there's some real vitriol between the two heads before they really make some choices but um boy that is amazing that you that what what a way to think that would have been a fascinating team and you know what and i think bernie won. and president trump might have really done a great job together i agree too because i think trump had a, a, an inability to kind of just he, he just <laughs> he was just a you know he's a great business guy but his i think he's just his his way of kind of speaking to the everyday person i don't know i don't know and, and i don't want to get into that but yeah. um 
But talking to people that are, when you're authentic, people dig it, dude. People people dig when you're real. And they know if you're real or you're not real. They know. Yeah. Right? People tell. If you really care, people know you care. And if you care, people will talk to you and they'll respond. As long as they're in a place of, of being That's real. That's true, too. And, you know, and I think that the the people that are more present and living in, are those are the people you want to talk to anyway. Those that are so caught up in this world of, of electronics and all that, as much as they are the new, the word you told me, it's the new fossil fuel. Yeah, tech is the new fossil fuel. Tech man. is the new fossil that's, that, that's my gem that I got from Theo today. That is incredible. So, you know, but I think when people are, 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 are living real, they're, they're, they, they respond to, to real. And I think that everybody at different times in their life has different, you know, they're at different stages of their life. Yeah, you have to be, not only do you have to be in, in front of something that's going to affect you, but you have to be open to, there's only, that's the funny thing. A hundred people can tell me the same thing, but it's that one moment where it just gets through whatever the chasms are, the way they're lined up and where it really hits. For sure. Um, how'd you meet your second wife? How'd that, how, how did that come out? Oh, Leslie, you said her name was? Yeah, Leslie. So I was at McCormick Place and there was, a, and my buddies have a, a beef jerky company called Jack Link's Beef Jerky. Mm-hmm. And it was from up in Northern Wisconsin where our camp is, where Bishop Gunn played, right? And it's mm-hmm. in Minong, Wisconsin. So they were at McCormick Place and I had Bulls tickets. I was living downtown Chicago and Michael Jordan was playing. This was back Damn. in the back back in the late nineties. The best time, the best dude. DJ I saw Armstrong? every single game, dude. I was Did there. You really? Yes. It went home, home in Chicago. Yes, for sure. And you, was your you weren't your brand wasn't doing good then. No, you weren't. But, yo, shit. I had uh, well, I had like seventeen or eighteen oh, stores in the late nineties. I was I had all those deposits. Oh, I thought I was, was later, making yeah. money out of my company stores. I was. I've been. I've had. I've been rich for a long time. I thought it was later than that. I thought I didn't know that your business aligned. Uh, your, some of your early success aligned with uh, when the Bulls were still playing. Oh, yeah. That well, well nice. remember, I had my company stores, mm-hmm. and even though the franchise stores, I had 76 failing stores, I was still getting paid because right. they had to pay me a royalty. Right. I said, look, we're going to run out of fuel. We need to stop this truck, and we need to refuel it. Yeah. So they were two separate entities, so my company stores always made money. But So anyway, I'm at McCormick Place to at a, at a, um, a grocery store show, and the Link Boys have their beef jerky booth, and they're hustling jerky yeah. at, at their grocery store show. And so, and I said, and I had four Bulls tickets, so I always kept two and sold two, and it paid for my tickets, right? Mm-hmm. So my buddy Jay says, he's, listen, he said, uh, we're going to the Bulls game. He says, I got this girl that's working at Wells Blue Bunny Ice Cream booth right there around the corner. I want to take her to the Bulls game. And he said, you know, can, I said, okay, well, let's go check it out. So we walk over there, and this redheaded girl is there and and with this blonde-headed girl that Jay was going to take and and they were friends and I said would you like to go to the Bulls game she says yeah but you know just friends I said for sure 100% just yeah. friends so we all four go to the Bulls game that night we went to the yeah, Bulls game yeah I'm not starting game. at lovers yeah that's right we went to the friend. Bulls game and at, at the United Center they sold these these Bob Chins Mai Tais mm-hmm. and you could get an extra floater in there mm-hmm. on the top for an yeah. extra buck so <laughs> by the second one I was irresistible and I got the hand on my knee <laughs> And so yeah. it was, I was just irresistible. Oh, so, so, yeah, so Leslie, that's a freaking, uh, that's, so, uh, yeah. that's funny shit, man. So anyway, I got the hand on my knee and we went to Gallagher's on the corner of Racine and, uh, Racine and Altgeld in Chicago to Gallagher's and we went to the bar after the Bulls game and walking back to my house we totally made out yeah. and uh, and then she came back the next weekend for the restaurant show which and 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 she was doing the Wells Blue Bunny ice cream booth at the at the restaurant show at and were you place. at the did you have a booth at the restaurant show or no 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 not not yet so I go so I I took her I took her out Friday night and I said listen it's ten o'clock I need you to take you back to your hotel because I just can't do this I. I, you've got a, a, a boyfriend and, and, and I, I just can't do this and I'm taking you back to your hotel. So I drove her back to her hotel 
I called her at three o'clock in the morning. I said, "You up? I can't sleep." I said, "I'm coming to get you." Dang. So I came to get her, and that was that was. And then she moved to Chicago a month later. I asked her to move in with me. She's like, "Dude, I'm not moving in with you." And she had a she had a a four year old son. Wow. And his name was Spencer, and she was 22. She had him as she was a freshman in college and Dang. had a child. So she got she got a job at what W. What school did you go to? Do you know, uh, she went to um, Southwest Missouri State. Oh, that, you'll and, get a four year old there. And you can get a four year old there. She got a four year old there, and yeah, I was bro. lucky enough to adopt him. So he's my oldest son. Oh, that's cool. But anyway, it just all worked out, man. We got engaged uh, the following Valentine's Day, Leslie, and we've been through it all. We've been through everything that a couple can go yeah. through, dude. We've been through it. We earned it. We love the shit out of each other, and uh, and we're rolling. Uh, you know, we got this thing. So that's my story and my love. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So if you, uh, after, uh, let's go to this question real quick and then I'll ask one more and we'll finish up. What, what does this guy have here? Thank you for calling, brother. Hey, yo, hey, man. Dio, Jimmy. It's Dave from Louisville. I just wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on this tattoo I've had for about 10 years now. Shout out to Jimmy Jones on the sub hand. Gang, gang. Good Dude, job, gang, gang. That rocks. Nice work. I guess that's a hand he eats his subs with, that left-handed <laughs> sub eater. I hope that's yeah. the hand he eats his sub with. Yeah, yeah me too, bro. <laughs> Who knows what else he's doing, man? Uh, that's beautiful, man. Actually, I, th- I feel like they could have done the artwork a little bit better, if I'm really going to be honest with them. But at the same time, I totally respect it, man. Right on, buddy. Um, have you seen a lot of people over the years that have done some weird things like that for you, or not? And I'm not saying you're weird, brother, but are there people that have really shown up with some tattoos and done? Buddy, some- there, I, I used to do a convention in Vegas every two years, and I, we'd have three, four thousand people at the in, in Vegas at a convention, and I and we I'd give away prizes and Rolexes and recognize great performers and bring in rock stars. Kid Rock would come play, or Zach Brown nice. would come play, Bishop Gunn would come play, and and uh, man, I saw some I saw some big Jimmy John tattoos and. <laughs> Some crazy places, and and I'm sure that they're sorry that they put those JJs where they put them because I saw some shit, dude. Yeah, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. Anyway, it is what it is. You've seen some stuff that's not on the menu. I've seen some stuff that's not on the menu for sure. Um, all right, let's take one more here, and then I'll hit you with a question, and we'll finish up. What's up, Theo? What's up, Jimmy? Hey, buddy. So my question for you is, what's the craziest customer experience that you've ever had? Um, I think mine would be when I worked at Jimmy John's in downtown Wilmington. Um, it was the first night me and my manager, you know, working there till three, four in the morning. We got those bar drunk people coming in and one guy had ordered and he comes back up and he goes, Hey man, I think some uh, naked guy just came in through the back and went upstairs. And I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. And uh, so I go get my manager and next thing you know, he goes upstairs and he's bringing out some naked guy. And I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Subs are making people crazy. Hey, man, free smells, dog. Right on. Um, on. Did you ever have any wildness like that? I'm sure you do right there. uh, And anything that stands out? Buddy, there there has been so much wildness that I have seen 36 years on college campuses with sub sandwiches. Buddy, I've seen (laughs) porn on the internet done in Jimmy John's bathrooms. And that which has been nicely emailed to me. Uh, uh, I have seen, I have seen, I have seen stuff. I've seen. I mean, I don't know where to go with it. It's it, it's overwhelming. Uh, I think it's just human nature. I don't think it's Jimmy John's. Yeah. I think that you mix alcohol and late night and and people. I think that people just like like as they turn into raccoons and they start doing you know they start crawling oh, around and creeping weird. around, yeah, dude. doing weird shit. Oh, you'll find your fucking cousin in the recycling bin, dude. <laughs> if you fucking if there's enough drugs and booze around, yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. What about uh, what about so in life? You know, you've I feel like for me, I notice in my life, there's like a, 
I, I found like an uh, like I in the past two years I've started to make a little bit of money in my life and I never had any money. Yeah. And money was always and I think in a lot of people's lives, it's always a, it's a goal, it's a motivator, it's a. And I don't know if it was my motivator. I think some type of a success was maybe my motivator, and I've achieved some success. Hell yeah. But I felt like it's not as there really isn't it's not as joyous as you would it doesn't pay off really exactly like you've kind of i for me it it hasn't paid off exactly like i felt like i felt like it would like I you thought, thought it would yes it's not what you thought it would be right let me tell you so i'm 16 years i'm 56 you're 40 right yeah so here's here's if, happiness is hard work brother and it's, it's it's hard to make it it's five times harder to hold on to it that's number one thing with money okay it's five times harder to hold on to it number two money doesn't bring you happiness you want to be happy you got to watch your sugar you got to drink a lot of water you got to exercise in the morning you got to keep your house in order keep your life in order and you want to and and i have to hang around people that i aspire to be like or want to be like because it rubs off on me you got to have a presence of discipline you got to have a presence of balance and and you got to have a little bit of fun and you got to forgive yourself for being human when you overseason your steak which we happen to do once in a while as human beings Amen. and you can take that any way you want to take it and forgive yourself so you can get back on the track of happiness and happiness is hard work man um it is, it is, it is, I'm a, I'm a, I'm obviously a billionaire, right? And, uh, 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 but the, you know, you can have, you can have 10 cars and, and 10 boats and 10 houses and you can, you can, you can eat yourself three chocolate cakes and six Big Macs and six Jimmy John subs and you're going to feel like shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's going to be horrible and you're going to be a one horrible rich motherfucker. Okay. Yeah. And so well, really happiness is hard work. So, and genuine, genuine happiness. I mean, real, not baloney bullshit, you know, right. Uh, being party, that's fine. But real contentment, happiness, man, it's hard work work and it takes work every single day to do that and when you do it you know when you do it every day or have a presence of it and then you have better weeks and then you have better months and you have better quarters and then you have better years you know i wish i would have known this 10 years ago i'm learning this now since i don't have all that the pressure of jimmy john's so i'm learning this stuff now and this is for me it's, i don't know what's for you but this this is the wine i like to drink mm -hmm. you know, i'm not going to tell you what kind of wine you like to drink but this is you know i had a wine class one time i paid 200 dollars. he says okay you ready for the class good wine is wine you like great class over let's drink wow so i'm like thanks man yeah. what are they, what's all that shit they're doing in the restaurant he says that's all bullshit they're making all that stuff up because i felt so stupid with wine right yeah. now i own a couple wineries and we do very well <laughs> but that's besides the point so you know it's just whatever it is to you but for what i found is you know i've been rich for a long time and uh, in my in my world uh, rich for a long time and and uh, i made my first million dollars in 93 and had no debt you know, so and having no debt is huge, huge. I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know how to fill out the paperwork. Well, it's funny. Your dad said that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And those bankruptcies scared me and I was poor and I didn't ever want to be poor again. And, uh, so I was a real saver and still am very conservative. I only invest in things that I totally understand, you know, or a person that I totally understand. I, I really tend to bet the jockey, not the horse. Interesting, man. Yeah. So that's the list people. The list is if you want to, uh, if you want to have happiness in your life, I feel like you started off by ha making a list of the things you needed in your kitchen. And I feel like you kind of ended up by giving us a list of your experience of the things that we need if we want to, you know, have some sort of happiness, you know. Um, is that your, is that, do you feel like that's where your, a lot of your motivation is spent now kind of these days? Like 
finding uh, just feeling good, finding some happiness? 100%. I think contentment, Theo. I think that, um, you know, um, private planes are convenient, but you can be miserable in a private plane. You know, all those all those perceived, you know, Kardashian amenities, right, or, or whatever, Hollywood amenities, all those things are great. But but to feel good, you got to feel good. And uh, and it's hard work to feel good. And so I'm filling in a lot of a lot of gaps that I that I wasn't able to do because I was fighting the battle for 36 years and I was just overwhelmed at the end. It was just so big. And so I was, I was like drinking through a fire hose and now, you know, really being addressed, my weight, my health, and really every single day through this thanks, this, this hunting season and Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and really trying to balance myself, man. Uh, I've done a better job this year than I've ever done in my life. Like this is, this is my, the best life that I've ever lived and I'm in a great direction. And I think a year from now, if we had a podcast, I think you'll see me 20 or 30 pounds lighter and, and, um, and it's just what I'm doing right now. And it feels good. Yeah. It feels good to sleep good. It feels good, man. It feels really shitty when I drink a bottle or two of tequila, which oh. I did last week with, uh, with Bobby and, and, uh, and Clint Boyer, we went hunting deer in Texas and we drank a lot of tequila, man. And, and man, I paid the price for three to three days. I mean, hangovers at my age are, are a week now. It's almost not worth it. You yeah. Know? Oh, hangover, your stock will dip, you know, online. <laughs> You know, uh, um, so anyway, yeah, man, I just see, you know, a little peace and contentment and relationships with my kids and, and, uh, just moved to Franklin, Tennessee and in June. And I oh, love nice. it Congratulations. here. It's like old America here. It's, uh, the neighbors, we, 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 we get to our house, we're at our house three days. The neighbors bring over a fire pit made out of iron that a local guy welded and, and eight Adirondacks chairs and a stack of wood and set it up and brought a cooler of beer and said, welcome to the neighborhood. Wow. Lit a fire. I mean, this is where I live. I live in America, man. Yeah. And this is America where people love each other and help each other and look after each other. And that's how I felt coming here to Nashville and, and, and Franklin. And it's just, it is, it's an awesome place. And, um, yeah, I'm going to bring my whole, I'll bring everything down here. And so, uh, you yeah, know, we're, we, we're definitely dipping our toe in it for sure. And seeing what that feels like. We wanted to kind of make just like a, have a different option. You sure. know, we had a mortician come on from uh, Kentucky and he was like one of our best guests ever. Just really? Like, Oh, he said, look, bro, he said, if you kill somebody, man, kill him in like kind of a rural area because a lot of times it goes straight from the policeman to the mortician. So there's not a lot of interior detective work. So if you can trick that first policeman into thinking, oh, this is a natural cause, dude, it's straight to the mortician. <laughs> <laughs> and it's straight to the ovens, bro. You know, that guy's making a different kind of bread, but, you know. Uh, but anyway, so just some of the things. We had um, a female trucker on. That was a really amazing episode. We're just trying to get back into just, like, people that are hardworking people that, uh, you know, just capturing a, a, a strong bit of a sense of America that's still left, you know. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Do you believe that entrepreneurial spirit in the, the American dream is still alive? You know what I do? I, I think it is still alive. I think that um, I think that there were some unintended consequences of some decisions that were made by some people that didn't run businesses but made business decisions. And, and I, I believe everybody deserves happiness, right? But I think happiness is hard work, right? Amen. So when, they, for example, the minimum wage, you raise the minimum wage to fifteen bucks, okay? And then you and then you throw COVID on top of it. Every small mom and pop business in America is done, and so they wanted to make sure that the small guy could make a living wage at 15 bucks an hour. Their hearts were in the right place 
beautiful. Thank you. You know, so such virtuous thinking. But look who's got all the money now. Jeff Bezos got all the money. And everyone, and then every time one of these little mom and pop shops is selling on Amazon, as soon as it reaches a certain level, Amazon just knocks it off. And then they're selling, then the mom and shop, pop shop is gone. So wow. it was the minimum wage really a good thing? Well, the, the, it was a good idea, but the function, I mean, wait till you see what happens after COVID, uh, Theo. So there, there's some, there's some, there's some, you know, I think the entrepreneur spirit is alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, that, that it's going to be there always, uh, you know, Agreed. as long as everything is fair and we're playing with the same set of rules and elections are fair and it's real and, and that everybody, you know, it has to play with the same set of rules. As soon as there's two sets of rules, that's when there's going to be problems. So we need to get back to, you know, we need to, you know, fences make good neighbors. We need, we need to have the same set of rules, I think. So, so I believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like someone could, that, that what will happen to entrepreneurs after we come out of COVID? Do you think it, there's going to be a good opportunity for, um, people that want to start something? Absolutely. I think there's going to be a huge opportunity. Wow, you know see, where that's the good opportunity, to hear. Theo, the opportunity is also in the trades, man. The electricians and plumbers and construction workers and the real and the pipe that these guys, the opportunity in that stuff is going to be astronomical. It's because things, no matter what, things have got to get built. Right. So I think I think that the wage in that stuff is going to be up up north of 100 bucks an hour. So wow. I think that's huge. I think that, that that entrepreneurs that haven't got their ass kicked really hard and, 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 and aren't licking their wounds... They're going to be ready to go. You know, I'm jumping back into this new coffee business and I'm really excited about seven, it. Seven, that's what it's called? Seven Brew. Seven okay. Brew. Keep and, my, keep my, he said Northwest Arkansas, they just started? Yeah, yeah. So if you guys want to support a Jimmy John brand or it's Inspire Brands? Uh, or is it just- well, Inspire Brands is Jimmy John's. Seven Brew is myself and Jamie Coulter, my mentor and a couple buddies. That's cool, man. That is cool. So yeah, the entrepreneurship's alive. Absolutely, it's alive. Look what you're doing. Look, I'm here, dude. I know, look. This is, a, this is amazing. It, look, it feels good. <laughs> it feels Bro, it's good. so funny. All the, the dream guests that we've wanted over the years years we've had three of them and uh and they've all happened now which is really interesting wow it's interesting but you're right though and and no it's just good to hear from you because i feel like you've been through it's just like you said you have to get burned in a few leases to know if the lease is good like you've been through the burned leases to be able to look at the rest of us and say hey guys things you know it just it hits us in the spirit like you can still do this you know you can so you can um Jimmy John, thank you so much, man. Right this is uh, this has been awesome, man, and um, I appreciate you being here. And we'll have to go, go uh, do some fishing sometime or something. I'd love to do that. It's really a, a pleasure to be here and a, a real honor to be here. My kids think you're a rock star, and you are. You're a real humble, smart, witty. Uh, guy and I appreciate your interest and in, in having me here. I, I really do. It, it's, I've never done this before, so uh, uh, thank you very much. You bet, man. And we'll, uh, when Bishop Gunn gets back together, we'll go to one of their shows. Let's do it. Now I'm just floating on the breeze and I feel I'm falling like these leaves. I must be cornerstone. Oh, but when I reach that ground, I'll share this piece of mind I found. I can feel it. In my bones But it's gonna take A little time For me to set that parking brake And let myself unwind Shine that light on me I'll sit and tell you Don't 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jonathan Kite, and welcome to Kite Club, a podcast where I'll be sharing thoughts on things like current events, stand-up stories, and seven ways to pleasure your partner. The answer may shock you. Sometimes I'll interview my friends. Sometimes I won't. And as always, I'll be joined by the voices in my head. You have three new voice messages. A lot of people are talking about Kite Club. I've been talking about Kite Club for so long, longer than anybody else. So great. Hi, sweetheart. Here's a deal. Anyone who doesn't listen to Kite Club is a dodgy bloody wanker. Jermaine. Hi, I'll take a quarter pounder with cheese and a McFlurry. Sorry, sir, but our ice cream machine is broken. I think Tom Hanks just butt-dialed me. Anyway, first rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Second rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Third rule, like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube, yeah? And yes, don't worry, my Brad Pitt impression will get better.